You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the groupthink, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering the conservative conscience. Yes, and welcome back to the conservative conscience here on this fine Wednesday at Conservative Review, powered by Blaze Media. And it is quick paced, all time, all day, all week. Uh, we just uh, came out with our episode yesterday Farm Bill, Jailbreak, all tying it together. And that's what we love to do here for our new listeners here um, that have joined us from the original Blaze audience, now the merge company, Blaze Media. Uh, just know that our big thing is juxtaposition, details, in depth of many, many different issues and tying it all together as one thesis. Because when you understand politics, all the issues really do tie together. So jailbreak, farm bill, the border. Spoke with a lot of law enforcement last 24 hours. Lots going on there. Uh, some t- t- loose ends on legislative matters that hopefully we'll, uh, we'll get to. And we're going to try to glean some themes out of this. So now, what I, say when I, what I mean when I say that things are very quick-paced for this week is that it, it's so hard to try to put out a show every day, which I'm trying to do this week. Because things just keep changing and the news is very fluid and sadly, very little of it is good news. We ended yesterday talking about the farm bill. And I'll put the the piece in show notes if you haven't seen it. If you didn't listen to yesterday's show, I have a written article on it coming out or it, it already is out. But this thing was supposed to be voted on Thursday, but they went ahead literally as I was finishing recording yesterday's show. The Senate voted for the bill. They just voted on the final conference report. That's it. Within less than 24 hours of posting this 800-page, very complex piece of legislation. Very complex. Now, we know that Republicans have made a habit of voting on complex bills within a short period of time after the text is posted. By the way, isn't it tragic? If you remember, Republicans took over the House in 2011 on this Pledge to America in 2010. One of the big things was that they would keep text posted for 72 hours. <laughs> what a joke. In fact, I can't remember a single contentious major piece of legislation, which is precisely the type of bill you need posted um, for a while to be transparent about it, that they actually adhered to that promise. But for the Senate to do this, the Senate works much, much slower, as you all know, because you need unanimous consent to basically go to the bathroom there. So it was extremely unusual. So before we just get to the farm bill, just so you know, again, how this ties into jailbreak, these people have such alacrity to get to jailbreak. Remember, there is no greater juggernaut 
than jailbreak. There is no greater obsession in the political class than releasing the worst federal offenders. You know, I was just speaking with a border sheriff today, and he was he was just floored by what they're doing with this. And he said, I don't get it. What I deal with even on a state level in state and local jail, usually you have to graduate pretty far um, to get in. I mean, as you and I both know, those of us who are the plebs, the 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 low class type of people um, that aren't like Jared and Ivanka and the Cokes and and, and all the unibrow donors of the unibrow party which is both the republican and democrat wings of the one unibrow so we actually understand living in the real world that for every one person even in a state system that you might think you know got a tough sentence 20 others are total loose cannons and don't get put into jail so he was like believe me the ones i see when you're there you more than deserve it but that state federal forget it i mean those are the ones that graduate from there but that is the biggest emergency. So they all the overwhelming majority of Republicans and Democrats agreed to give back time on debate. So they would immediately pass this farm bill. The entire agriculture, can you understand? The entire agriculture is the in the palms of the hand of the federal government. Not border security, not sanctuary cities. You know, Madison said in one of really the best Federalist papers, everyone asked, like, what's your what's your favorite um, Federalist paper? Federalist 45 is very foundational where Madison explains the arrangement of what is a state government, what's the federal government, what it's there for. And he said that the federal government's powers are few and defined, applied principally on external objects. Then he went on to say, you know, states are obviously internal welfare and, you know, dealing with numerous issues, external objects, external affairs. Yet nothing. But when it comes to agriculture, can you imagine? We spoke about this a little yesterday. Take a look at my article. The cascading effect of market distortions on land usage, appreciation of, of purchasing land, creating a bubble, the, the direction of the type of crops we, we grow, all based on artificial political favors and subsidies and market distortions, not on the best science, organic demand, nothing. But anyway... I just wanted you guys to know that fact that I, you know, kind of the sequel of yesterday's show, that they voted on a farm bill. I I never remember a Senate voting on a farm bill within like 15 hours after the text was made public. Unbelievable. That is how badly they want to quickly get through the other things. So they could get to jailbreak. It reminds me of my kids. So my kids are really bad eaters. I don't know. Some of you have have that. You know, some kids are are like that. Some aren't. Uh, mine are all just. It, it takes so much to get them to eat, and everything's the bribe of of the dessert. Everything is about dessert. So they don't want to eat as an end to itself. It's like the our middle son Joshua is often uh, saying, "Well, so if tonight's not dessert night." What's the point in eating? I was like, well, you'll 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 die without it, you know. <laughs> but so they'll, they'll just get through it 
any way they can just to get to the dessert. So that's what it is now. Everything they're doing now, including the bad bills, but it's it's nothing like jailbreak. So anyway, that's that's what jailbreak. And if we have time, we're going to get back to some more updates on that. But the farm bill, it passed 87 to 13, 87 to 13. Just 13 Republicans voted against it. And it's kind of an interesting group of people. Barrasso from Wyoming, Cotton from Arkansas, Enzi from Wyoming, Flake from Arizona. Look, this is the one or two of the issues he's still good on. Grassley, like I told you, of all people, he he was upset that it it, it hurts small farmers, and he's right about that. Uh, Ron John of Wisconsin, Kennedy of Louisiana, Kyle of Arizona, Lee of Utah, Murkowski of Ark of Alaska. I'm not sure what the deal with that is. Rand Paul, Marco Rubio, Pat Toomey, mainly the ones you would expect. Uh, by the way, um, you know what's interesting about Cotton? Cotton is, let me just quickly scan this list. To my knowledge, with the exception of Grassley, but Grassley is kind of a juggernaut. I mean, he doesn't have to worry about ever getting elected. Um, Cotton is the only, well, also he's not in cycle. Cotton is the only senator on this list that is from a big ag lobby state and is also in cycle. He's up the cycle. And he voted against it. And you know what's funny? The Kochs, who are supposedly libertarian and all, and all care about free markets, will never give him credit for that. Because all they care about is the damn jailbreak. You know, where is this libertarian juggernaut on the, of, of these think tanks and the donors when it comes to opposing the farm bill? Because I ain't seeing it. I know some of their publications, they'll put out Articles, but you know, nothing like what they're doing on jailbreak. Now, sadly, you will notice someone not on that list. And that is Senator Ted Cruz. <sighs> you know, in, his, in a previous lifetime, he would never vote for a farm bill. I'm just telling you what I warned you about yesterday with jailbreak. I told you this is not in a vacuum. Um, I don't know. I don't have anything more to say. I don't have any insight into that other than he's not headed in a good direction. And that's even after a winning election. You know, he's got six more years. So, you know, you would think you wouldn't have to worry about the farm lobby. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's it. But I want to point out one other thing before I move on to the House, which is literally going on right now. And I got to just watch my board here. Um, while we're talking to give you the most up-to-date news. <clears throat> and that is, notice not a single Democrat, not a single Democrat voted against this. Not one. And I'm going to strengthen the point in a minute with the House. Not one. Okay? Not one. This bill, as we noted yesterday, is the biggest handout to the millionaires and billionaires, as Bernie Freak, Fruitcake Sanders would tell you. And yet they vote for it. Let me tell you something. This bill, if we had a conservative movement, you could literally nuke every talking point of every potential Democrat presidential candidate. Oh, really, buddies? So, so inequality is only a problem if you earn it rightfully in the free market, but subsidy lobbyist inequality is just fine. 
government creating monopolies for wealthy people to basically destroy small farmers that they can never purchase land, can never afford the crops, and get boxed out of the market. That's just okay. This is where populism and free markets work harmoniously, and we have a beautiful narrative on it. But alas, what do you do when all but 13 Republicans voted for it too? So there you go. Let's move on to the House. As we're talking right now, the House is voting on the Farm Bill. The House is voting on the Farm Bill. Now, now, this gets a little complicated because another issue merges with it. And it's a very tedious issue because, as you well know, I have mixed feelings. Members wanted to push a resolution on the war in our involvement, the War Powers Act, our involvement in the, in the war in Yemen. Now, as you well know, I agree ultimately with the policy of not getting involved and the fact that in general Congress needs to assert itself over these these like undeclared wars um, everywhere, particularly in Syria and Afghanistan and Somalia, but including Yemen. But at the same time, the problem is since this effort has begun, you had the Khashoggi business where it's now been hijacked as a means of – basically trying to overthrow MBS on behalf of Iran and the Muslim Brotherhood. So you got to be very careful with that. So I have mixed feelings with it. But nonetheless, people like Thomas Massey, and there's a lot of conservatives that have good intentions behind pushing this. So Paul Ryan had the Rules Committee, and, and this you know Thomas Massey exposed on Twitter today, um, had Rules Committee write a rule to prevent anyone from bringing this up in the Farm Bill. So because of that, and also because of the general opposition to the Farm Bill, Members had a plan to vote against the rule. For those of you who don't understand this, the the tactic and what happened. So in the House, unlike in the Senate, the Rules Committee controls the rules of debate, the terms of how you bring it up, the time of debate, terms of amendments. It's called a rules package. So before you vote on a bill, you vote to adopt the rules package for the debate, kind of like voting to debate, debating the debate. Um, and, And typically what happens is On any major piece of legislation, even if the minority party ultimately is going to side with it, but they always vote against the rule just because it's kind of like a way of saying, you know, I'm not you. We oppose the majority because we oppose them. Either in general we oppose them or we don't like everything they're doing on this bill and all the activities. So conservatives have been pushing – a tactic in recent years to say, hey, well, you know, when you have a liberal piece of legislation where Republicans have enough between the Democrats they pick up and the establishment members to get it passed, and we don't have enough to block it, but we know that every Democrat is going to vote against it. So let's say, you know, it takes 218 to take something down, and let's say there's 190 Democrats. Well, okay, you know, or if we only get you know, 20 or so, 30 or so, in this case, it was much less because a lot of members are, weren't in town. They weren't voting. They weren't there. So the threshold was for a quorum was much lower. You know, it was more like you needed 206 or so. So they voted. They, they would, you know, ha- vote against the rule. 
Democrats vote against the rule because they're in the minority. The conservatives would vote against because they don't like the policy and you have a majority there and you preempt the bill. But what has been happening is it's hard to get enough members that have the balls to do it and because it's viewed as like a de- declaration of war on your leadership. But even when we do it, what's been happening recently is that the two parties are so in sync with each other when it comes to the most important bills. We talk about this all the time with WWE or as my friend Shannon Joy. Um, by the way, go to ShannonJoy.com, her show. Um, she now has her own show uh, independent from – this rhino radio station that she got fired from a uh, great ally definitely should follow her. Um, she calls them the unibrow party and she's absolutely right. It's a very apt way of describing them. This from someone who actually has a unibrow. So I understand, you know, when two ends are connected by the middle uh, anyway, the Democrats often, if they see, as the vote is going on, that enough Republicans are voting against the rule to take down the bill, they'll supply enough Democrats to allow it to go through. And that's what happened today. Um, 18 Republicans voted against the rule. In this case, because, again, the threshold, it would have been enough. So they supplied five Democrats to vote for it and allow them to go through. The Republicans were Amash, Biggs, Blum, Bratt, Cloud, Gates, Garrett, Gomert, Gosar, Graves of Louisiana, Jordan, Labrador, Massey, Meadows, Perry, Posey, Sanford, and Schweikert. Um, many of the ones you'd expect. So those are the 18 no's. What do you see from here? Democrats so badly want the farm bill passed that they're willing to help supply the votes on the rule, even when what they're protesting kind of ties into the Khashoggi um, virtue signaling. Again, it's a very complicated issue with a lot of people holding a lot of views for a lot of different reasons. But um, there there you go. There you go. So that's the latest with the farm bill. As of this recording... You know, unfortunately, the rule wound up passing, so that now they're going on to debate the underlying bill, and of course, it's going to pass overwhelmingly. It will just be interesting to see, you know, will we get thirty Republican no's or fifty or sixty? But that's it. But there you go. We have so much ammo. If we if we had a party built upon a new contract with America, and with one of its tenants being no government program should ever be used to create a private monopoly that hurts competitors and consumers. Who could argue with that? Talk about a winning message. But that's with the farm bill. That's with the farm bill. All righty. The latest with the border. Let's move on to the border. Oh, and, and oh, you know, I keep thinking, sorry, keep thinking of more things. There's a lot going on today. Um, Warren Hatch gave his farewell address. And in many ways, I'm very sad. I'm very saddened by his farewell address. Not that I'm sad to see him go. Although, (laughs) I must say, it's like, we thought Warren Hatch was bad. Oh my gosh, Mitt Romney. (laughs) I'll take Warren Hatch over him any day. But uh, what's so sad is, you know, you think he came in in the mid-70s. And you look at how far this party is, has come. He came in as a culture warrior. And then he leaves 
saying, singling out, I'm not kidding you, quote, the L, let me, let me make sure I get all the um, acronyms here. L-G-B-T-Q community. He called, I think he said our L-G-D-P-Q-F-U brothers and sisters. He, so he had a need to call, you know, say that in his farewell address. Folks, I, I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> the unibrow. The unibrow. This is what it is. Um, the two parties are one big unibrow. You know, sorry, I'm just typing some messages here. I'll get off the keyboard in a minute. Uh, just too much going on in one shot. But uh, it, it, this is the theme of the day. The two parties are so close together. They're so close together. Just so unbelievably sad. And um, yeah, I mean, that's that's where we are. They just don't care. They don't care about anything you and I care about. And in fact, they support the other side's views. You know, we thought we had a president that would be different. And I'll tell you, you know, I spoke with a border agent today, and he told me at a very frank conversation with the president, and he totally gets the border issue. And I have no doubt, I, I really think he does. But the problem is there's other flaws to him and his administration. That he gets distracted. And you know, Politico is reporting today, and I have no reason not to believe it because it coincides with everything I know that the next chief of staff pick has to win the approval of Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump. I mean, you may as well say you have to win the approval of Chelsea Clinton. This is where the two parties and their donors they merge. They merge. <clears throat> so um, this, this is where we are. One other thing I wanted to point out before moving on to some of the major issues, um, just a couple more notes. My buddy, Todd Benzman, I need you to follow him on Twitter as a favor of of mine. He didn't ask me to make this plug. Benzman Todd is his Twitter handle. You guys heard him on a show with me a couple months ago. He has made a one of a kind trip to Panama and Costa Rica, which is the source of the influx from Central America. Well, not the not the Northern Triangle, but the Middle Easterners. I'm going to link to in show notes a 3-minute video he just sent to his team at Center for Immigration Studies and they put out while he's in the field there showing pictures and video of piles of Lebanese, Sri Lankans, Pakistanis, you name it, headed north to America from there. So the media will, and this is what bothers me. You know, why is Todd Benzman the one, the only guy doing this? Is there no journalistic intrigue? Now, I know you, I know what you guys are going to say. There is, but obviously, if it hurts their agenda, see no evil, hear no evil. That's what's so sad about this. And this is why we are studying. Again, go back to Rouhani's comments, the president of Iran. We're going to attack the West with what? Drugs, migrants, and terrorists. 
It all ties in. We study it from a foreign policy angle, from a Central American, Latin American affairs angle, from a migration route angle, from a drug cartel angle. And then tie it into the violence and gangs in our cities, the interior enforcement and sanctuary cities and what's going on in Chicago. I'm studying this fully, and this is how all the issues come together. And if you are not doing this and you are opining on these issues, you are committing malpractice. But anyway, um, you know, CBP just put out today numbers on on you know what they're seeing in fiscal year 2017. I guess they don't have the numbers for for last year yet. DHS prevented 3,755 known or suspected terrorists from traveling to to the United States. That's in addition to 17,526 criminals, 1,019 gang members, and 3,000 special interest aliens. And with that, we'll continue our discussion on immigration and the border. We talked about this at the beginning of the week. That the main problem we have is not rooted in a border infrastructure issue, although you know obviously it always helps to have more agents and a border wall, and we should have them in the long term. But the more immediate problem is that we've reached such a degree of suicide with our courts and our policies and what Democrats are pushing and, and successfully enacting is that we telegraph to the world that you just have to come here and say you have a credible fear. So we noted it's not just Central Americans. I mean, everyone, everyone from everywhere is coming. And that's where you have the Middle Easterners. But you have, you know, Romanian gypsies. You have Africans. You have everywhere. People are going to come. There's 7.7 billion people in the world. There's several billion living in conditions that we would consider appalling by our standards. And a good number of them, hundreds of millions, will want to come here. I don't blame them. But we can't have a country that way. We can't have a culture. We can't have an economy. It does. It, it just community, schools. It, it doesn't make any sense. This is common sense. But I've spent a lot of time talking about, you know, what's going on with sheriffs, ICE agents, border patrol, and you know, again, I'm going to try to get as many people on the show as I can. A lot of people, you know, it's it's off the record. But I want to give you over the picture that I am seeing going on now and 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 why it's important that we have a two-pronged approach. Why you can't just focus on the border wall. You got to the asylum stuff has to end and then all the other magnets have to end. And where where a border wall would help and where it wouldn't. You know, what what type of thing? Basically, what's happening now is that hundreds are flooding within a day, often more than 100 at once, in the urban areas or close to the urban areas at Yuma and directly in the urban areas at El Paso and San Diego. What you're seeing is what it used to be, and this is what the border agents were, were very clear about. It used to be that they would... They wouldn't want to be apprehended. So they would go in the rural areas and try to run away from the Border Patrol. Or you obviously don't want to get caught. And that's why, you know, we haven't seen these sectors 
blow up a lot, you know, the urban areas because the urban areas are more likely to get caught. But what's happening now is that and then also you wouldn't come in a group. It's it's individually. But you you literally see the effects of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer's policies and the and the unibrow that really is tacitly agreeing to it. They won't they won't campaign that way, but their donors believe in it. This so-called sympathy or pork on behalf of all these businesses that want cheap labor, they are causing the shutdown of our government because our government is there to protect us from external threats. And those external threats are with these drug cartels. And what they're doing is they're shoving all these people at the border agents. So they're coming in the urban areas and they're coming in big groups. A hundred at a time in El Paso, I hear. And what they're doing, they just come straight in the urban areas. Why? Very simple. It's good for them and it's good for the cartels. I'll explain it. It's a symbiotic relationship. And the they help the cartels. The cartels help them. Because they want to get in. The cartels want the drugs in. And they're you know high-valued criminals and SIAs. And this is how they do it. So the more migrants you have, the more drugs and the more SIAs and the more gang members for a simple reason. See, it's very tough to cross the border, but we made it easier for them. Why go in some rural area where you could die from the elements, you could get dehydrated, you can get murdered, you can get attacked by an animal, when you could just go in the urban areas straight up where it's flatter usually? And just surrender yourself. So it makes it easier for the cartels to just, you know, they don't have to worry about show success in avoiding detection. Makes it easier for them because it's safer for them. And then while they tie them down, that's when they bring in the people in the rural areas, the bad people, the drugs and everything. And that's what we're getting hosed with right now. And that's why you're seeing areas like El Paso that used to be dormant because it was an urban smuggling center. It was an urban area, so you're not going to smuggle yourself if you want to be smuggled. But if you want to surrender yourself, you're going to go there. You're going to go to San Diego. So that's one point to consider. The second point is, as I mentioned They're going over even areas with fencing. Yuma and part of El El, El Paso have fencing to various degrees. Um, Basically, El Paso sector is New Mexico, and then the urban area, and New Mexico border is all rural, or the urban area of El Paso in the far west of Texas. That's the... Um, El Paso sector that's con- patrolled by the El Paso CBP sector. Um, so the El Paso, the urban area has a fence. The rural a- area doesn't. Same thing with Yuma. But they're coming in in droves and they're even going over the fence. They're even going over the fence. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. What this teaches us is this. Here's where the fence works and here's where it doesn't work. The fe- there's two things. There's the illegal immigrants and then there's the criminal activity aside from that. 
and the drugs. A border wall is good to stop the drugs because, you know, remember, those guys don't want to be detected. So if you have a border wall, they're not going to go over the border wall because by the time you get over, you're likely to be detected. And you don't want to get detected if you're carrying drugs. Although if you're, although if the truth be told, they're sending them in the hands of the UACs, which don't care, you know, they don't care about getting caught because we're going to be lenient on them, which is another reason why I have to fix the loopholes. But so a wall would help for that. But, but, you know, my, my problem with just focusing on the wall is you could build a wall from sea to shining sea, but they're still going to come over it you're at least going to have the migration. It would help for the drug cartels, but you're, you're still going to have the migration because they don't care about getting caught. That's the important thing to remember based on what we're seeing. Now, um, I did have a conversation with a border agent today, and he did say very clearly that, look, the fencing they're going over, while substantial, it's nothing like the prototype that Trump is experimenting on in San Diego. That's going to be harder to get over, and I, under, I understand that. So, you know, you could have some of these fences, you know, they can get over quickly enough that they're not even going to get worried about getting caught. So I understand that. I get that. And, and it will – it is certainly useful. But just remember, my, my fear is they'll, they'll go – A, they're going to go to the points of entry. Now, again, that's better for the drug – you know, because it makes an end run around the drug cartels for the most part. And that is – you know, so you don't have that problem. But, you know, what do you do? Meaning, if you they're only not doing it because we don't have a wall. You build the wall, we're going to have the crisis at the point of entries. Hundreds of thousands of people coming there, eventually millions of people. You see what I'm saying? You have to get rid of the loopholes and the, and the magnets. They'll just come to points of entry. So the drug problem is one thing, but you know, then you're going to have the cultural and economic problems we have. We don't, we don't need this. And a lot of them do have problems, and they will become drug runners. You know, then at some point, the drug cartels will just start a business going um, and, and equipping them with the stuff to get over the border wall. They'll do that. Because, again, a border wall is very effective if you don't want to get caught. That's why you need both pieces of the puzzle. If you want to get caught, then you don't care. And then again, you have the northern border, which is heating up. Well, we're going to build a wall there. I mean, you know, we, 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 at the end of the day, you've got to end the magnets. It's clear as day based on what's going on. It's another very interesting thing that's going on here. And we'll have a piece to try to parse this out tomorrow in that. The Border Patrol as a bureaucracy is as corrupt. And and when I say corrupt, I don't mean like dirty. I mean like just in the dysfunctional way as every other government agency. Brandon Judd, the head of the Border Patrol Union, he's testified before Congress numerous times. He also I, – I spoke with him too um, earlier today, and, and he he told me that the Border Patrol tripled since he started in the service in the late 90s. And yet, in any given field sector, you have the same number of people at the station patrolling. 
because they all have these fiefdoms and projects in order to because it's all about money and people want to get promoted and they start these project manager stuff. He says you have one manager per four officers. What other agency? What, what other corporation do you have that with? So this is not even an ideological problem. It's just like just government bureaucracy. This needs to be dealt with with legislation because we've tripled the border patrol, but we 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 still don't have it. So now you can imagine you have let's say sixty agents in the field in the entire El Paso sector, and they have hundreds coming over in just one wave of them. You tie up the border agent. You're done. You're done. And again, it's not organic. The 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 drug cartels are controlling the drug smuggling and the bad guys as well as the you know bogus asylum people so they it, it's it's a it, it's a, literally the way he described it to me is it, they're playing a game of football it's literally a game of football where they have the fakes and all all the fake plays and they hope we bite and we we do because we have to process them and that's when they make the end run Around the defense. That's exactly what they're doing. Tell me that's not a government shutdown. When we have the unibrow party's policies literally creating tactics in an economy for the worst human beings in the world to destroy our country with migration, terrorists, and drugs. That, folks, is your government shutdown. That's what's happening at the border now. Just terrible. The stuff that they're dealing with. But I'm just telling you the evidence of what is going on. It's, it's black and white if you study it. The migration trends, the where, the what type. Truly unbelievable. Now, again, I want to be clear. What Trump wants to build is something more substantial. But in Yuma, they are often injuring themselves, dropping off that 18 – it's an 18-foot fence. Now, you can make – you could design it better, but it's pretty tall. Other places, it's, it's 10 feet, and it's more chain-link fence. So that's, you know, yeah, you're going to get over that or cut through it, which is what they're doing in El Paso. But the Yuma stuff, I mean – you know, let me tell you, that is uh, the biggest example of why you, you, you can't just rely on the border wall if we have stupid policies. Border wall works very well if you actually respect your own border, which, which again brings me to another point here. Many of you, I'm sure, have seen this as one of the biggest news stories of the day, been passed around on the conservative blogosphere. Um, the Jerusalem Post has a report on Israel's new border wall. Now, you might be asking, um, well, what do, you, what do you mean border wall? Uh, don't they have one already? They have one in the West Bank. They have one, um, you know, at a, at at a, in 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 their um, southern border. Now, this is an article from August. It's not new, but it's just been making its rounds. And I guess, you know, many of us have missed it. Maybe you guys didn't. So they have pictures. We'll link to this in show notes. Um, It's an underwater barrier to stave off Hamas infiltration of Israel by sea. 
underwater barrier they created. So in other words, just trying to see the story here, it's it's um 50 meters wide by 60 meters high, and it will stretch 200 meters. So, I mean, you can imagine, you don't need it to go, you know, the entire length of the Mediterranean Sea, but you just need that area that gives you a buffer that you can kind of see them coming. Um, you know, and j- just... Here, let me let me just make sure I don't forget so you guys could see this article from the Jerusalem Post. They don't screw around there. There's a term in Hebrew called Ein Breira. There is no choice. This is part of the problem we have with our elites in this country. Israel has, like every Western country, has their rotting out of their culture and you know they have their elites. But it's not as bad as here because they don't have enough of a buffer that they could just – you know, things are still too subtle here that the elites have it too good, and they just don't feel it. So in Israel, it's like you can't put up with that. I mean, Hamas will blow the hell out of you tomorrow if you don't stop it. So they got to do whatever it takes to stop it. It's very practical. There's no politics behind it. With us, everything is political. We will not do what it takes to do stuff that shouldn't be political. And that's why I say, you know what what we need to do? We need to have the unibrow. All these donors, you know what? Let's have a unity tent city. I have a perfect idea. Let's have the Cokes and the Soroses and everyone like them fund a never-never land, a happy land. And and we're going to have a fence around it, so you can't get out of there. But you you can make it as luxurious inside of it as you want. And you can have all these anti-recidivism programs for your jailbreaks. And you can have your Syrian refugees there. And all your migrants put – and all your drug cartels go there and have your never-never land. Have it near Ivanka and Jared's home. But leave us the hell alone. Do it on your own dime. But this is the donor class. You know, I just saw an article, not an article, someone put it out on Twitter. I, I can't remember who. I'll, I'll track it down and link to it. Um, the Center for American Progress, uh, one of the Soros big left wing group, gave $200,000 to the American Enterprise Institute, a supposed prominent conservative think tank. Again, this is the problem. This is the problem. It's all vanity. Just pathetic. Pathetic. And I want to get to jailbreak, but I'm going to have one more thing on um, just the state of play with the border. So what what, what is happening? What's not happening? Um, I just uh, – before I forget, Chip Roy, incoming congressman, I just want you to know, in case you thought maybe he was all talk and you know once he becomes a congressman, he'll – be enthralled by the name congressman and you know want to join the elites he just put out on twitter the gop brand is essentially give me give money to corporations while racking up debt empower the judiciary while pretending to appoint judges who will somehow reduce their own power and then randomly shout the words freedom and conservative while massively growing government (laughs) so (laughs) just in case you thought he'd stop bashing his own party well no, he's uh, he's full throttle. He's become more radicalized, which is a great thing. So I'm really looking forward to working with him in his office, and um, we're going to have him on the show more regularly as time goes on. 
Um, but you know, what is the state of play with the border? So we just told you the policy state of play. What's the political state of play? Um, look, you know, everyone's talking about Trump and what he's doing. I hope he follows through with it. But what's so sad is you don't have a movement and a party standing behind him, speaking articulately, intelligently about what is going on, about how these very virtue signalers are shutting down our government. This is something that we cannot go on with. We need a national debate over this. We'll see what happens, but I'll tell you what it looks like McCarthy and these bozos are planning is to pass a standalone wall bill, which probably won't even have the asylum fix out of the House, which it's a standalone. If it's not on a must-pass bill, it won't go anywhere. Why don't they pass a budget bill out of the House with this and say, we will never budge and leave town and that's it. And the Senate has to take it up and Mitch McConnell, you have to have a talking filibuster. I mean, that's the, you don't need to abolish the filibuster. You enforce the two-speech rule and every Democrat would have to hold the floor for the entire time, the entire Christmas, and talk about how they love the drug cartels. Let, let them do it. That is the tactic that needs to be done. But instead, what are they doing? Let me read to you from Congressional Quarterly. I can't link to this because it's a subscription only, so there's no link. Um, Six-bill spending package plus homeland stopgap gains traction. Some Senate Republicans are starting to see the logic of punting the border security fight into 2019. Yeah, when Democrats control it. While allowing the rest of this year's appropriation bills to pass, though they aren't necessarily sold on the full-year continuing resolution for Department of Homeland Security. I'd like to pass the six bills in CR on Homeland, said John Bozeman, a senior appropriations committee member. It's easy to shut down the government. It's difficult to open it up and maintain what you are trying to get done in a shutdown in the first place. Oh, really? So it's easier to fight on the Homeland Security if you give the Democrats what they want and then just have a CR that's punted to when the Democrats are already going to control the House. Now, I've said before that if you play your cards right, there's some ways it is easier when you have Pelosi in control to use her as the false flag um, to message through a shutdown fight, but they're not going to do that anyway. It just, you read through this and, you know, Senator Cornyn said he's open to the compromise that would extend Homeland Appropriations into next year. Well, you don't have to convince me, convince the president. He's going to have to sign the bill. So you see, they're not even supporting him on this. You know, as much as we complain about the president, you know, Again, you do have to remember, he doesn't have a party standing behind him. Richard Shelby, I think it's obvious that we need to do this. Shelby Moore Capito, quite frankly, as the Homeland Security Chair, I don't want to see us disconnected from the other bills because I would be concerned that it diminish what I think is a well-crafted bill. I would keep the government open. That's a high priority for me. Keep the government out. What government? What what is the purpose of having a federal government? We don't have it to take over agriculture and health care. That state, we have 50 state governments to take care of us in county governments. We need a federal government for this issue. And if they're not doing it, and if the drug cartels control literally the the right now our federal government is shut down in the most blatant sense because the federal government is quite literally serving. As, as the impetus to complete the smuggling conspiracy of drug cartels. That's what they're doing. Meaning our border, uh, God forbid I'm not bashing our border agents, I'm saying what they're forced to do by the political leadership now 
they are literally fulfilling the end goal of the cartels and the migrants, which is to meet a border agent and process them. So therefore, they get paid off, they get their smuggling fee, so they can produce more drugs, and then they get the diversion so they could keep the agents busy and smuggle the drugs in and kill our people. That is what government is enabling now. That, my friends, is the true government shutdown. And uh, it all gets back to the unibrow. See, the problem is we can have good elements here and there. You'll get a senator that's good on this issue, but then no one else is. So they drag him down or they just ignore him. You don't have a critical, critical mass. And, but then he's bad on this. And then the, you'll have the president where he's good on this, but not so much on this, but where he's good. Then you got Jared and Ivanka. And that's why it's like, you know, look, two of the people being bantied about as possible replacements for Kelly as chief of staff are Mark Meadows and uh, uh, Whitaker, you know, the current uh, uh, acting attorney general. They'd both be really good, actually. But, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if you can get through Jared and Ivanka. And even if you wind up getting them the position, there's just it's the donors. The whole party is irremediably broken. So what it is is you get the lowest common denominator of everyone's thing. So it's like Mike Lee is good on a lot of issues. You know, he just voted against the farm bill. Although, you know, I don't hear him as vocally fighting those issues as he is fighting the bad stuff. But that's part that's part of the issue. You know, he's worn down. So it feels like, you know, he convinced himself Soros's view on on crime is conservative. So I may as well get something done. And that's what he's doing. And same thing with Ted Cruz. He's getting worn down. So he'll I'll join with them, you know, and we just get everyone's weakness. Rather than everyone's strength. Like I say, I don't know math too well, but I know least common denominator and greatest common factor. We get the LCD and not the greatest common factor. That's what happens when you have a party that is essentially a fake party. So I'm still waiting to hear on the farm bill. Obviously, by the time you hear this, it would have passed. It's just a question of what the margin is. So that's going on right now. Um... You know, this is just uh, unbelievable dis- distraction. But I want to just tell you with, with the jailbreak stuff, what's going on here. So, um, you know, we are open to a full debate. I would actually relish a protracted, transparent debate right here, right now, on every facet of drugs, crime, incarceration. Let's have that debate because until now, these guys have been hiding behind the bushes in the political class, getting stuff done with the people not knowing about it. And if they would only know about this, they'd be against it. And that's the thing with this unibrow. It's not Republican versus Democrat. It's political class versus country class. They're all the same there. Whereas if you go out to most people, I mean, certainly conservative voters, but even a lot of voters that vote for Democrats, if they would, if this stuff would be explained to them in this way, this stuff would not be partisan, depending on who you're talking about. The only reason we didn't want it was because, dude, we have better things to do than debate jailbreak. But if you're going to be hell bent on doing this and slamming on the floor, I'm not, you know, fearful of a debate. The problem is they refuse to release official text, and it's a draft discussion. I have a copy of the draft. It's called the discussion draft, but it's not public, and they keep changing it. But I'll tell you this. Just to get back to Ted Cruz yesterday, 
we talked about this tactic of the left where and the political class, the Republican establishment in general, it's the overdrafting where they basically purposely make the bill worse. And then you have to expend all your political capital just on the extra bad provisions. And then they they're like, OK, what do you want? Work with us. And they're like, OK, well, we want this and this change. And be like, OK, here you go. And they'll indulge one thing, maybe change another thing, fake to change three others and then ignore 10 other problems. And they're like, well, what are you going to do? And then the member feels the need to go along with it. And I told you, you know, this is what this is what was happening to Ted Cruz. I could confirm for you the following. Cruz had an amendment. And. There to exclude, among other things, to exclude certain categories of people from early release. And here are the ones that are not that they did not add. So when they say they added the Cruz Amendment, that's not true. Felons who transport children for illegal sexual activity. It's a federal federal crime that was not in, accepted. They will still get it. Felons convicted of genocide, felons who threatened to murder former presidents, felons who threatened to murder the president, felons who commit drive-by shootings, felons who destroy motor vehicles, felons who destroy aircraft, and car and carjackings if with a case where he's charged with intent of causing death or bodily injury through the carjacking. Those are all eligible for release. Why would you not – see, here's the question. If Cruz spelled this stuff out, why would you explicitly leave them out? This should tell you where they're coming from because they want jailbreak of the most people possible. And you know, I, I was speaking with the sheriff today from Arizona, and he was like, I don't understand how you're going to get – Tens of thousands of people in home confinement. Has anyone thought what that's going to do to local law enforcement and the communities? No, no, you don't understand. They're magically reformed. They took an anti-recidivism course. This is what happens when you have a unibrow that listens to donors, lobbyists, Jared and Ivanka, and tells sheriffs to go to hell. That, folks, is the unibrow. We have a lot more going on. I got to get back to work, but wanted to give you just another update, put in an extra show this week. Um, I know I've gotten a lot of feedback. You guys want more shows. I'm going to try to do as much as possible. doesn't always work every every week. Thank God it has. Thank you for listening. God bless y'all. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience. Conservative Conscience.